Bandwidth for Communication Lab is provided by Emphasis, world leaders in business writing training. For free resources and course information, go to www.writing-skills.com. Hello, and today, how to send a cold email that is claimed can open any door, how words can rewire your brain, and the power of focus and rapt attention. I'm joined by Rob Ashton. Hello. And we have with us Brian Kruisberger, founder at Breakthrough Email. Hello, everybody. Brian, why do we need a cold email that works? Uh, that's actually a great question, and, and I didn't even know what a cold email was you know, five or six years ago, but, but uh, what I found is that uh, I work for startups and you know, we're trying to get leads for our business and we're trying to get meetings with decision makers and we didn't have any marketing. Uh, we didn't have any, you know, we couldn't spend money on Google or do advertising campaigns and uh, I hated cold calling. So I was trying to think of you know, another way to reach decision makers and reach them quickly. Uh, so you know, I, I discovered a several different techniques that I put together uh, for this cold email technique. And you basically ended up with a pattern, haven't you? Like a template. <laughs> we haven't patented it yet, but uh, we, we, we have a, a whole template um, that we follow and that I've been teaching you know, different, different people to, to land meetings with decision makers. So is there any chance we could go through it then, Brian? Sure. So you know, what I've found is... You know, we, we can we can write a quick email, but you know the intention um, that you you know when you sit down and you're writing or about to write an email, you you really want to spend the time up front, um, you know, doing the doing the research and understanding you know what you're going to communicate you know with the person before you know you even start writing or or hit send. And you know the problem that most people have is that. You know, a decision maker gets 100, 200 emails a day and they get lots of inquiries, you know, whether it's for people looking for, you know, sponsorships or, you know, wanting to raise funds for, you know, your business. And, you know, the, the real key is to, um, it's to get read and to apply like leverage on the person so they respond and do what you want. Um, so, you know, we have nine different steps, um, for the email and, you know, the first is the subject line. So, you know, I'm going to ask you guys, you know, what's a subject line that you, you know, you would read if you received it in your inbox. Ooh, do you know, I, I think for, uh, I think for me, it's because these techniques are used so much. I think it has to be something that genuinely resonates, um, with what I'm doing now. You know, it's got to be, mm. I, you know, I tend, I'm so selective with my email. I'm probably quite a good target for this actually, because I, I will just go through and uh, on my iPad and just open, open my list of mail and then just hit edit and then go through and check, check the radio button on, on everything that I think is not relevant and I don't want to read. And then I'll hit a bulk delete it and then mm. I'll see what's left. Um, so for me, it's got to be something that, that stands out as not obviously spam. Um, and I think I'm quite intrigued because, you know, to, to get past, to get past that system, I think, you know, it has to be something pretty special. I, I don't know. It's a tricky one. I know, I know the ones that I would immediately reject are things like, I don't, I don't know, 
um, <laughs> a money donor required, or, 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 or I don't know, just th- these really smabby ones. But I think, Rob, you're right. If it's something to do with something that's just happened, if it's in a current context, I think you're more likely to read it, aren't you? I, I think I would be. Well, I, I think there's there's lots of different ways to to do you know to to write the subject line. The the most powerful way is to have you know a referral, right? So oh, if yeah. I was re- if I was referred by Rob ah, to somebody else, yes. I'd say you know referred by by Rob Ashton um, or referred by Andy White, and yeah. assuming that's you know assuming that means something to the person receiving it, and you know the the next sentence would be you know. Um, you know, Bob, Rob thought it might make sense for us to talk. And, you know, I, I use referral in the subject line and then I use talk in the first sentence. Uh, and many times that's all, you know, if so, how does your calendar look? And, and that was, that'd be all I would send. Do you know and, what, oh, just, sorry to interrupt, yeah. but that it's, it, that is, that's absolutely hit the nail on the head. That, that would definitely do it for me. The whole, the whole referral, I think mm. and it's very difficult to be, quite you know to, to generically sort of encapsulate a technique that's going to work almost all of the time because you know if it if traditionally we've been told you know think of a benefit um or think of something that people are looking for and it's i would say it's well impossible really to to write that and these days and not look like spam that that might have that might have worked 10 years ago but it wouldn't work now. You know, if you say, um, you know, an email list to, to reach your target customers, or if, you know, if you say, um, um, you know, uh, re our conversation, you know, so, so sort of going from the specific to, mm. to trickery and trying to get your attention, all of that comes across as spam, mm. but a referral mentioning a name mm. that's that, that would get me every time. There's absolutely no way I'm not going to at least open that. And what I've found is, and this is my cheat, right? You know, explaining that, you know, referral, but saying it's a cold email. It's not really a cold email if you have a referral. Mm. So it's a little bit harder when you don't have a referral. And many times, you know, if you're trying to get into, say, you know, Fortune 500 company or a company with, you know, a couple hundred employees, um, the person who would be giving, providing a referral doesn't want you to use their name. Right. So in that case, you know, you, you know a little bit about who you're reaching out to, uh, or the company that you're targeting, but you can't use the name. And that's, you know, that's really where we have to get into, you know, the kind of principles of the cold email. Um, the subject line that I typically use is appropriate person. Uh, and, you know, as we go through the email, you'll understand, you know, why I use that subject line. But the, the first, um, the first thing you have to answer in a cold email uh, is who is the right person for you to talk to? Because if you're, you know, talking to a company with say, you know, minimum a hundred employees, there could be many different people at that company that you could be pitching, you know, whatever it is that you have, you know, whether it's, you know, your business or your sponsorship for your charity or to fund your business. Um, there's always going to be multiple people for you to talk to. And that's really the key uh, is to find you know, the, the highest level decision maker and get your foot in the door with that person. So it sounds, Brian, like you, like you send an initial email, do you, to, to sort of try and find the right person? What, what sort of things would you put in, a, in an email that's trying to find the right sort of person? 
So the first sentence, and you know, and we can actually upload this onto your website, so you know the the audience has the ability, you know, the template to follow. Uh, the first sentence, it, I write something to the effect of, you know, I'm writing in hopes of talking to the appropriate person who handles, and then I, you know, I fill in the blank there, mm. who handles, you know, marketing, who handles charity sponsorships, who handles. Um, you know, whatever the type of product that you have. And I like to keep it vague because I want them to say, well, multiple people handle marketing at my company. It's not just one person because I want them to actually have to think um, and apply some, some intellectual uh, effort to, to responding. Uh, and then I, I go into, uh, and this is where I really get leverage. Uh, because I don't send the email to one person, I send it to three to four people at that company. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, and I write you know something to the effect of you know I also wrote to you know your boss, your boss's boss, and this person um, you know in this pursuit or in, in that pursuit. I also wrote to you know Mike Smith, Janet um, Cunningham. And Jeff Summers. Yeah. For, further expressing this kind of other ref- referral. The referral aspect mm. of it, yes. Yeah. Well, what happens later on is, you know, since, since I'm writing to multiple levels at the company, the CEO, the president, the, the higher level people, you know, they don't do all the work at these companies. You know, they, they've been trained to delegate to their team um, and they've gotten really good at it. And what happens you know, also in these large companies is that the, the levels below have learned to play the game at the company, right? Mm. Um, you know, CYA, cover your ass. <laughs> mm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they want to make sure that they look good in front of their boss. So many times, you know, the, the boss will, will read the email and say, you know, Mike Smith is the right guy. And Mike, Mike now has to, Mike now has to meet with you and and you also you know as we said earlier now you have the referral from the CEO uh, and you also have his blessing you know to meet with Mike very clever it's, it's it is very clever actually and it's it's as I say it's um it's easy to imagine this working a, a lot the, the the question I guess it's in my mind and and maybe in in that of our listeners is um you know it, is it ethical if, if you're doing this, because you're, you're almost kind of levering these people into a response, aren't you? Uh, you, you definitely have leverage. Um, you know, ethics is interesting. I, w- what's your take on it? Um, I think it all depends. Um, I think it depends on what your ultimate aim is. Um, you know, I think if you're using this as a way just to bombard people with, with spam, then absolutely not. You know, you should not do this. Um, I think if you have if you have something that you genuinely need a conversation about, that doesn't mean you won't get that convers you will get that conversation. You know, if you if you have something that's genuinely important to a company, it can still be really really difficult uh, to 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 get a meeting. Um, so I think it's kind of you could argue that the um, the ends justify the means. Um, you could argue here, actually, I think justifiably that you're not doing anything um, that's, you're actually just having a conversation uh, and 
you know, if at the end of the day, if they think it's something that actually, do you know what? I don't think this is for us. Then somebody, you know, that senior person can just jump on it and say, you know, and kill it and say, thanks, but no. And copying all the people that you've also written to and, um, and, and that's it gone. Um, but it, I, I think what you are at least doing is just sort of increasing the, the kind of radar profile of this. Um, it's very powerful. Um, I say, I think it's something you have to use with care. Um, if, as with any selling, you know, if, if there's, you can use techniques for, for nefarious means or, or for, you know, for good. So uh, with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. And I, I think certainly that, you know, that is the case here. Um, but I think it, it's, yeah, it's, I, I, I can see this working. The other thing is, of course, that as you, as you touched on there, this isn't just about, about selling widgets to large companies, is it? There, there are other ap- non-sales applications for this. Well, I want to, I want to interject. So we're not selling anything at this point. And this is where people really make a mistake. And you guys, you know, a couple of your subject lines were, it, it sounded like a sales line, you know, like more of a, a marketing line, yeah. uh, you know, buy this thing, check this thing out. I've got this thing for you. You know, it, this needs to be important to you. And no one wants to be sold. Um, you know, we're just predisposed. And it, it, it also has a, a negative con- connotation where, you know, you feel somebody's going to trick you into doing something you don't want to do. Um, you know, and there's, there's a saying in sales, you know, no one loves to, no one loves, loves to be sold, but everybody loves to buy. And, um, yeah. and the key is to find the buyers. Uh, so our only goal, there's, there's two goals for this email. One is to find the appropriate person for you to talk to, uh, you know, if it makes sense for you to talk to somebody. Uh, and the second is to schedule a meeting with that person. And that's it. You know, we're not selling at all. We're just, we're just writing to see if it makes sense to talk. And that actually is the next sentence. Uh, you know, if it makes sense to talk, how does your calendar look? Uh, because we want to use really soft language and we want them to feel that they're in charge of, you know, choosing, making a choice, uh, to, to meet with us, you know, regarding, you know, whatever it is that we're, you know, we're representing. And of course they do, uh, they do have the choice, don't they? You know, you, you, you are, it, it, it's a, it's a very subtle, softly, softly reader centered approach. Again, you know, something we're always talking about at emphasis, but you know, it's, it's, this is very focused on the reader. They are, they are in charge. You're just, you're just writing in a way that engages with them, aren't you? Uh, absolutely. And we just have a format that when they receive it, they'll respond to. You know, it, it's written, you know, the very first sentence is, here's the reason why I'm writing. You know, I, I'm, also, I'm also writing to these other people and I want to be, um, you know, upfront with you, which actually gives you some credibility in their eyes because – because we're, we're writing each person individually and, you know, never CC the other people because you want to take the extra effort. Uh, and what happens is they actually have some, you know, they will go back and forth with one another and you're using, you know, the corporate hierarchy to your advantage. Um, so, you know, you write an individual email to each person and that's, you know, when you talk about ethics, um, you know, I'll, I'll look at it from a spam perspective you're writing one email to one person's one-to-one communication. Um, you're sending it, you know, the same email to four people. And I've, I've actually 
tested at a company called Metro PCS in the U.S. And, you know, I had a friend who worked there. I got a whole list of like 30 of the marketing people at the company. And I was so excited. And I really believed, you know, what we could do, you know, for those company, for the company. So I wrote to every single person and, you know, I kind of bucketed it in groups of three and four. And, you know, I got a few responses and finally I got a response from, you know, one of the, the guys, you know, head up, I am the appropriate person. Please stop carpet bombing, you know, all of our employees. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a response, perhaps not yeah. the one you were after. Absolutely. And I, and, and I thought like, okay, well, you know, I still have, I have my foot in the door. I have an opportunity and, you know, and I just, I never recovered from that initial, you know, aggressive approach. And, um, you know, and I think that's, that's key. I mean, if you, if you are too aggressive, it's going to backfire. If you're not aggressive enough, you know, you're, you're, you're going to talk about what you can do for these companies and you're never actually going to get your foot in the door and get a meeting with them. Uh, and, and this is about action. And, um, and you're also talking about it, it, the reader, right? So everything's written for the reader, but you also have to think about the reader. The reader is, they have their iPhone, they have their Blackberry, they're on the move. If I were to cold call them, and essentially interrupt their day, right? You know, you know, hey, you know, hey, Mike, this is Brian. You know, can I interrupt whatever it is you're doing and talk to you right now about what I want to talk to you about? Um, and email is much softer. It's you know, you're you're putting it in their inbox. They have, you know, they have um, a couple days a week, you know, whatever it is to respond, and they can choose not to respond. Absol- uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, I can't see how cold calling these days can ever work. Um, I, I never take a cold call unless I can see that my, my colleagues are sort of, are sort of floundering a little bit and, you know, are not sure how to handle it. In which case, you know, I can, I can take the call and, and kill it and say, sorry. And by the way, can you remove us from your list? Mm. You know, I, it's, I don't think I've ever in the last two, three years taken a cold call and actually had a sensible conversation, uh, with the, with the person on the other end of the line. Um, which leaves email, uh, but you know the trouble with email is then how do you make a connection um, without you know so, so how how do you how are you subtle enough so as not to be intrusive um, and not use subterfuge um, whilst um, at the same time still getting noticed and yeah I I really hear what you're saying this does sound like a fascinating technique. I mean, this technique, so, you know, I've sent 10,000 individual emails over the last nine years to people testing, testing the words, testing the techniques, testing what works. uh, And, you know, what, what your audience is doing is that they're spending the time up front on one individual communication. uh, So the outcome is that they get the meeting. And the outcome is they find the right person to talk to. If you, you know, it's kind of the difference between, you know, reading a blog post and writing a book. Um, you, you know, if you write a book, there's so much more intention around, you know, and thought around, you know, what's said versus a blog post can be anything to anybody, you know, 15 minutes and this is it. So, you know, you really want to spend the time up front um, to, you know, to understand, what the person is is thinking about so you know you know how to write to them 
And as we say, this is this is something that that you can use, you know, for for getting a meeting of of any kind for any purpose, isn't it? It's mm. you know, you could be you could be working for a charity and you know and you want to you want to raise funds for your for your charity but you need to get to you know a potentially big donor um you know and and persuade them to 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 meet with you and just sort of open that door um you know it could be i mean presumably you you could even use this if you're job hunting and and you know you want again you want to you want to get your foot in the door that way it's um you know there's a very wide application for this isn't there uh, absolutely. I mean, the, the worst thing somebody can do for a job hunt is go to the job boards, you know, monster.com, you know, I mean, even Craigslist. Oh, other so much other jobs boards are available. <laughs> Sorry, we had to say that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what, whatever the job boards, I mean, there's so many hidden jobs in these companies. And if you could just meet their true decision makers, I mean, the HR group is, you know, many times designed in a way to filter you know, the candidates. And if the candidate can get right to the end decision maker, um, you know, with something really compelling and get the meeting, you know, you're, you're ahead of the game. Um, and, you know, you're getting right to the decision maker. If, if in my business I followed how Pepsi and McDonald's wanted me to go through, which is, you know, an info, you know, marketing info at McDonald's.com, you know, send your pitch, send everything, um, you know, I would never get a new business because I don't know what's important to them. And I could spend a lot of time trying to figure out what I think might be important to them. But many t- most of the time, it's very different from what you'll read or the research you'll do versus when you actually meet with the person and what's important to the person. Because you, you have to think about the company, you know, what's important to the company uh, versus what, you know, the company's made of people and what's important to the to the person that you're writing to. Mm. Uh, because many times it's going to, you know, to the, their soccer game for their son or daughter. I mean, that's what's important to that person. And, you know, they work at the company, but, you know, what's really going on in their life is, is, is very different. And, you, you know, you have to think about what's, you know, the person and the company uh, differently. And especially when you write, write about it, you know, don't just write what you can do for that company think about what you can actually do for that person as well. Well, it's, it's so, I mean, words are so powerful, aren't they? I mean, Brian, I should definitely be using uh, this, this emailing technique. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how, how effective it is. Now, there was an interesting article talking about words that matter. There was an interesting article by Jamie Cohn about uh, words that matter. I think he was citing the book by Andrew Newberg and colleagues, uh, Words That Change Your Brain. You've read this article, Rob, haven't you? What do you think of it? Um, I think this is fascinating. Actually, it's um, it's providing evidence for um, and sort of putting flesh on the bones, really, of of what actually up to now have seemed like quite flaky theories. You know that that you know, well, positive thinking, you know, can can change what happens mm-hmm. in your life. Um, that your your words uh, can can change the way you think, um, and and I. You know, I've I've been a skeptic about about many of these things, and I remain a skeptic about a lot of that stuff, but but not with this because um, you know I think what they've done the, the the book words can change your brain really does give um, some some mechanisms for how um, you know for how this how this works. 
Yeah, it talks a lot about um, if you hear mainly positive words in your childhood, it actually influences the way your brain is wired. And I, that resonates with me. I, I can believe that. I remember when I was uh, younger, I was forever reading sort of positive thinking books and forever getting <laughs> flamed, if, if there was such a thing before the internet, by my friends about, oh, look, it's Mr. Positive Thinker. And yeah. I, I was constantly surrounded by very people that were very sort of um, sceptical about the whole thing. But this article does put some flesh on the bones, doesn't it? Definitely. Brian, uh, you know, being sceptical is something we have to deal with here in the UK. We are all sceptical. But but it's, it. Uh, it you know, I, I think what, what I like about this, because it's not just blind positive thinking. It's it's not, you know, if you chant this mantra that, mm. you know, everything's going to be okay, then everything will be okay. It's it's not saying that. It's It's saying that, you know, certain words change your filter, if you like, and you you start seeing opportunities as opposed to seeing obstacles. Mm. And I think that's, you know, that that really is um, the difference. There's there's a, a a book actually another book here I want to mention called The Happiness Advantage um, by a guy called Sean Acor, and we'll, we'll put the details of that in the show notes. And I, I came across um, came across him. Um, on, um, he gave a TED talk. He's, he's a psychologist from, from Harvard. And, um, you know, the happiness advantage is this all about being happy? And what he's saying is actually, if you are happy, then you are thinking positively, then that you will see opportunities. He's not saying that blind positive thinking works. And it's the same, it's the same as this. He talks about the Tetris effect. Um, mm. Great, great example. Actually, it talks about how you know this game is rather. It's probably quite a vintage game now. Classic computer game Tetris, where you have to fit these blocks to to make a wall and and just reorientate them. And um, and he said that people who who were addicted to Tetris would then go out into the street and see the the skyscrapers in New York and start mentally turning them on their side and trying to see, well, you know, if I turn the Chrysler building there, will it go, you know, and I could move it over here and put it next to the Flatiron building and, and, you know, and I could make a wall. And that is, you know, there he was, that was psychology noting an effect. What this research does is it, it provides a mechanism. This on communication lab, we're all about evidence. And this, this gives hard evidence for that working, not just descriptive evidence saying it works, but, but, the the mechanism mm. for how it works and of course if you know that and i really urge you to have a have a look at this um it it really reinforces this idea that you can actually change what well, you can change your life you know that sounds all very flaky doesn't it but you can actually you, you can change the outcome simply by by um, the words that you you choose to use so, 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 Brian, you Americans do strike me as a pretty positive lot. What, what do you make of this article? Just a sweeping generalization. Sweeping yeah. generalization. <laughs> well, well, you're talking to to a really positive guy too, so you're you're yeah. right on. You know, with one American. Uh, what I would say is that you know, if you think about your brain uh, and, and even you know, like your inner voice or whatever you know, whatever you may think, it's all words, right? So, language is the only basis that we have to think. Um, and if you change the words that you think about, you're going to change, you know, everything in your life. So, you know, I absolutely believe that, you know, words are the key. Um, I don't believe in just, you know, mantras, uh, you know, for, for the sake of mantras, but mm. 
you know, if you, you know, the words do make a difference and, you know, what you talk about makes a difference and what you think about makes a difference. And if you, you know, if you wherever you focus your attention, um, you know, whether it's, you know, being positive or being negative, that's what's going to, that's what you're going to see in your life. It's kind of like a, a filter. You know, if you see, if you put glasses on, you know, rose colored glasses, everything around you looks rose colored. And if you have a different filter, you know, say pos- negative, uh, and it's blue, everything's going to look blue, you know, even when it, even when it is good. Uh, and you know, they've done studies on, uh, basketball players and when they're shooting free throws or, you know, I'll, I'll talk about, you know, soccer, you know, when they're shooting a, um, a penalty kick, if, if they say, you know, don't miss their brain subconsciously, <sighs> here's miss. Yeah. You know, and if they, you know, if they say, you know, make it, their brain subconsciously hears make it. So, you know, you want to, you don't want to put a negative qualifier on, on the outcome that you want. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't not think about something, can you? You know, if we if we say, you know, don't think about a pink elephant, then your brain is immediately filled with the image of a pink elephant. And um, saying don't miss, you've put the word miss in there and you can't help but think about about missing and you're not focused on on scoring. You're focused on missing. So, um, so absolutely. I think um, the other thing is that you know, there are certain professions. So one of the things that ACOR also says, Sean ACOR is, is um, certain professions are wired for things like for, for depression, really. You know, he talks about depression being very high uh, in the legal profession. And that's because lawyers are trained, they are drilled in seeing everything that could possibly go wrong. And so, you know, if you think about that Tetris effect in their lives, they are always thinking, oh, yeah, but what if this happens? And what if that happens? And, and so they, they have got that blue filter that, um, that, that Brian describes. Um, there was another book, though, Andy, that we wanted to mention, wasn't there? This was, uh, yeah, The uh, Raps, Attention and the Focus Life by Winifred Gallagher. Was that the book you were thinking of? Yeah, that was yeah. the one, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, you've, been, you've been having a look at that. What, what do you think about, about uh, the main premise of that book? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? We hear a lot about information overload. This book is actually available on Kindle Download, so it's one of the books you can get hold of really quickly and have a read. Uh, but it's interesting, this whole thing about information overload, and you know, we, we say we are, uh, or they say that we are overloaded with information, so I think focus is tremendously, the ability to focus. Yeah, and this is, this is the, the other side of the, of, the, of the same coin that we've just been talking about um, with words changing your mind, um, because... It's the premise is that you are not going to focus on everything. Your your survival is dependent on not focusing everything, uh, focusing on on everything. You have to most of the time, you don't notice most stuff. There's a there's a famous experiment. Um, a group of people were asked to watch some basketball players, just watch them and count how many times the ball bounced, and then afterwards, the researchers interviewed them and said, uh, "Did you did you count the ball?" Yeah. Did did you did you watch every bounce? Yeah. How many how many times did you see it bounce? Well, I counted fifteen. Well, I counted seventeen. Okay. Uh, did you notice the man in the gorilla suit walk through uh, the 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 game and and out the other side? No. Most people, you know, fifteen people, fourteen people didn't see this man in the gorilla suit. Mm. And when I've watched this, you know, I didn't I didn't see it the first time, and the second time you look at it, you think, how did I miss that? And it's because you focus on certain things. Um, you, you know, if there's a, you, you might focus on the fact you're hungry, 
and that's your that's your driver but if if suddenly um someone starts a fire in the corner of the room then you're focused on getting out of that room as quickly as possible and guess what you've forgotten you're hungry so your survival is dependent on on your attention and what this is saying is that you what you focus on will you know it's it's about affirmative focus i suppose and saying i'm going to choose to focus on these things and and what the effects of those might be don't want to talk about that do you, do you have a um a, a brief opinion on that brian yeah so you know there's like a cycle that i i try and break in my day uh which is you know going on to facebook checking google news looking at my twitter feed you know like all these things that are time sucks in my day and what I do um, is I'll set up a 90-minute – I'll set up my timer up on my iPhone. And I'll set up 90 minutes where I'm going to do one task. And it's amazing. And I have like the, the timer in front of my laptop and you know looking at me and I turn the screen off. So – or I turn the screen on so it, it won't turn off. And it's amazing how quickly I'll get off task. You know, within 10 minutes of trying to do, you know, one, one project, uh, you know, I'll see myself checking email and I always have that, that, uh, that timer, uh, looking back at me and saying, you know, you got to get back on task. And it's a great way for me to stay on task to accomplish, you know, a specific, um, a spe- specific in- intention. And, you know, otherwise you're, you're trying to do four or five different things and you never really get what you want done, done. And, uh, you know, when you're in that state of flow, uh, you know, I think there's a famous book called flow, mm. you really enjoy yourself because you're not getting pulled in a lot of different directions. Yeah. It's all about being centered, I think, isn't it? But, you know, you have to, you have to focus on focus really it's you know in order for that to happen this there was um an article in um harvard business review may the 29th so it's a recent article um and we'll post details on the show notes but um it's called the unimportance of practically everything and i'm looking at it now actually um and the author um talks really about how most of the stuff that you fill your working day with doesn't matter. And now there is more and more and more stuff to fill your working day with. That doesn't matter. Doesn't matter and yeah. you are being bombarded with this information, as Brian says, and you need to do something really positive to um, to stay on track. And I, I think if you're hungry, if you're tired, then you haven't got a hope. But uh, yeah, you definitely need to do something, um, something you know, positive to do that. Well, I thought we'd better leave it there. So it's many thanks to Brian Kreuzberger. Thanks for, for having me, guys. I mean, it's been a, a pleasure to be across the pond talking to you today. And it's like you to Rob Ashton. A pleasure as always, never a chore. And we'll see you very soon again next time on the Communication Lab. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Communication Lab was brought to you by Emphasis Business Writing Trainers. Sign up for free training at www.writing-skills.com. Thank you.